What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul Podcast. It's your host, Chris. And today we have a returning guest, and she's amazing. It's none other than Mary Roach. So in case you missed it, a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, Mary was on. They just released a new updated version of her book, Stiff, which was actually the book uh, that introduced me to Mary Roach's work. My lovely girlfriend recommended the book. I loved it. I reached out to Mary and she's just super cool. And yeah, we talked about her book, Stiff. So if you're interested in some of the science around like dead bodies and the research and all that stuff. Make sure you check out that conversation that I had with Mary previously about her book, Stiff. But today we're talking about her brand new book, Fuzz. All right. So it just came out a couple weeks ago. You've probably heard of it, but yeah, there's so much I wanted to talk to her about with this book because it's all about when nature breaks the law. And I, I love Mary's writing because she makes me interested and stuff I didn't realize I was going to be interested in. So in this conversation, we talked about some of the research she did for this book. It's really interesting. There are like whole sectors of, you know, industries and, uh, you know, uh, like officers and, you know, people who work in wildlife communities who are trying to do like forensics around animals, killing people and all sorts of really, really interesting stuff. So it was great getting behind the scenes and hearing how Mary, you know, researched this stuff. And we talked about some of that stuff about the book, but I also get to ask her some questions about, you know, how researching this book and traveling and everything kind of changed, you know, you know, her, her views or even relationship with like, you know, wildlife or nature and animals and all that. And for those of you who didn't know, I've been a vegetarian for a few years now, and Mary and I, we even have a little conversation about that and eating meat and all that kind of stuff. But Mary is always a blast to talk to, and this book is absolutely phenomenal. So if you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you head down to the description. Make sure you're following Mary over on uh, Twitter and grab a copy of this book. I guarantee you will love it. It's entertaining. It's interesting. You will learn a ton. Mary is one of my favorite science writers. All right. So aside from that, make sure you're also following me on Instagram and Twitter. I am doing a lot of additional content. I have some updates coming soon and I love talking with all of you. So make sure you're following me as well. And if you're new here, make sure you're following or you're subscribed to the podcast because we're always bringing on interesting, amazing authors to talk about a variety of different topics. All right. But anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Mary Roach about her brand new book, Buzz. All right. Hello, Mary. How are you doing today? I'm just fine. How are you, Chris? I am amazing. And you know what? You know what? Nobody knows that we're talking right now, but this is actually the second time we're chatting. And this time we're chatting about your new book, Fuzz. And I'm super excited. You were, you were nice enough to send me an early copy. So I had no idea what this book was going to be about. Like the subtitles, like when nature, you know, breaks the law. Uh, does it have a different title internationally? Something like weird or different? It has a, it has a different title uh, in England, which was the original title here. Uh, the title we had until about February was uh, Animal Vegetable Criminal, which yeah. I quite liked. Um, but what happened was um, Mark Bittman published 
a history of food called Animal Vegetable Junk, and that came uh, out right around the time pre-publicity stuff was gearing up, and it, my publisher got nervous, and so we went back to we went back to Fuzz, which was actually on the book proposal in the beginning. Yeah. But uh, Animal Vegetable Criminal, to my mind, you know, really sums up yeah. what the book's about. Although uh, and that's why. This book has chapters about trees and beans because my editor is like, Mary, we need more vegetable. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't even expecting that. But but yeah, I guess for those who are uh, unaware, like what what is the book about? But mainly like mainly I whenever I read your stuff, I want to get inside your head. Like what inspired this book? Where were you? What, what happened when you were just like, this would be interesting to research, you know? Yeah, I wish I had the great succinct origin story that every book should have um, <laughs> this started kind of uh in a similar area i got interested in um the forensics of wildlife crime but where wildlife isn't the perpetrator but the victim so i mm. come across this paper called i think literally called how to distinguish real versus fake tiger penis and it was this scholarly <laughs> paper yeah. about how uh, how to tell real versus fake tiger penis, which is actually really simple. If you have any dried tiger penis that you would like me to evaluate, you know that it's being sold as real tiger penis, which of <laughs> course is it. illegal. Show it to me, and I'll let you know. <laughs> the tiger has a very small penis, and so um, a lot of people who do this kind of illegal trafficking use deer or cow or horse penis because mm. it's a lot more. Um, suggestive if you will you know i mean it's uh selling something that's supposed to be a, a, a cure for a lack of virility so you yeah. want some something a fairly impressive member and the tiger doesn't have that although tiger has a reputation anyway so it's a long <laughs> winded snake wing saying but i was up at this lab up in oregon where uh this woman works and uh, i mean she's got this amazing hair library like because animals have not just one kind of hair there's a different, you know, the guard hair, the under hair, the straight-on coat hair, the whiskers. So anybody trying to identify a pelt or some sort of, you know, is this illegal endangered species? Mm -hmm. uh, they need an expert like that. Anyway, so that was the road I was kind of going down. But um, I like to be able to follow, tag along on an investigation. That's what I wanted to be able to do. Mm. Legal reasons I couldn't do that. Uh -oh. So I then thought, on my way back to the drawing board, I thought, well, what if we looked at whether the animals are the perpetrators and the humans are the victims? So it, it's a different kind of wildlife crime. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of a, uh, how I ended up there. So, yeah. yeah. I, here's, here's just my opinion. I, I'm glad that happened because I think this is, this is super interesting, right? Like last, what was it last year when the Tiger King thing was, you know, the big, the big deal. Did you watch that? Did you watch that madness? I did not watch the Tiger King thing. Oh, well, yeah. if you, if you, yeah. when, when you get some time, if you want to just see craziness, but, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff out there was about humans who are, you know, poaching, hunting and yours was completely different. And yeah. here, and, and what I loved was like, I, I didn't even know that I was going to be interested in this. Uh, like I have two cats and I really want a Corgi. That's about the extent of my like animal love. Oh, and I'm vegetarian, <laughs> I guess, but that was more health reasons. But uh, yeah, I'm also, I'm also a true crime fan. So 
there's a lot of like forensics yeah. type stuff in oh, here. Yeah. Um, so you, you learned a lot, right? Like, like how can you, can you discuss a little bit why it's important that we need to know what type of animal killed somebody or attacked somebody? Can well, you, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I spent some time at um, this thing called WART, W-H-A-R-T, the Wildlife Human Attack Response Training. And this is something other than me, it was people from uh, wildlife agencies, like Fish and Wildlife or up in Canada, uh, Conservation Officers Corps. So these people are being trained how when there's somebody is attacked and killed, specifically killed by a wild animal, a predator attack specialist comes on the scene in there. And it's, there are a lot of fascinating parallels to crime scenes where the, a human killed another human. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to secure the scene and they've got to figure out, you know, they collect evidence. And then the first thing you got to do is figure out, first of all, what species? Is it a human? Is it a cougar? Is it a wolf? Is it a bear? Uh, and then after that, and then, you know, then they've got to, the next task is uh, if we've, you know, if we've killed or caught an animal nearby, is it actually the right one? Like we have mm-hmm. a suspect, we got to prove uh, using DNA, like linkage between the victim and the yeah. animal. Like, is it, do we have the, do we have our man? Do we have our beast rather? Like, yeah. cause if they don't, the suspect is released, which I thought was kind of amazing. Like the, 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 there's an effort to actually ident- identify the, the, the animal that did it. And the reason that that's done and the reason that that's important is that otherwise you'd be like, oh, hey, there's a bear. Let's just kill that one. Because then it's probably it. Well, up in Canada, that's, I mean, there's parts of Canada where there's so many bears around that you can't just make an assumption any yeah. bear in the neighborhood. That'd be like going into a neighborhood world. Well, that guy walking down the street that's kind of suspicious. Let's just kill him, you know? Yeah. Uh, so they, you, you want to make sure that, they're, that they've caught the right animal because the consequences are in this country and in Canada that that animal will be destroyed. It's hard mm-hmm. to human. It's considered a threat to public safety and it's destroyed. So you, you want to make sure it's, you're not destroying the innocent animal. Um, yeah. The other thing that sometimes goes on is, uh, I mean, that makes it tricky with the uh, DNA is um, sometimes a scavenger could come along, you know, and, and scavenge. It, like you might see wounds, mm. not just DNA, but you might see a wound on a, on a person and think, oh, this person was killed by a bear. Um, when in fact, there was a case where uh, a body was found. I forget where exactly it was, but the, um, the wounds had, had, didn't have signs of bleeding or bruising, which would suggest that they were happening during the attack. They, uh, cause you have to be alive to bleed or bruise. So mm-hmm. what, it, it was clear that this was an animal that had scavenged on a person and the person turned out had died of a drug overdose in his cover. The bear, a bear found him, pulled him out, was feeding on him. Mm. The bear didn't kill him. The bear was scavenging. So huh. that suspect had to be released. Yeah. that's that that i didn't yeah that's interesting too and and i was curious too like while i was reading it because last time we talked uh we discussed some of the research you did for stiff so i i'm wondering did did some of your like you know going to like the the place where they just lay out dead bodies and let them rot and all that did any of this like kind of like did any of that knowledge translate when you were learning about this kind of like forensic type animal attack stuff um, 
Yeah, like here and there a little bit. Like I was surprised. I mean, uh, in this training that I went to, Wart Wildlife mm-hmm. Human Attack Response Predator for the training, <laughs> Wart. Uh, while I was there, uh, yeah, somebody happened to mention because they had that is kind of amazing. They had these soft mannequins on which mm-hmm. they created the actual wounds of a attack. These were real. They were recreating um, the wounds on a body of someone who had been killed, and they were, you know, some of them quite, quite ghastly. But one of the things I didn't see much of was that the, the um, they weren't the the the, the torso wasn't split open like the animal wasn't going after their guts and what i learned from actually not stiff it was gulp but anyway what i one thing i learned is that wild animals when they go when they kill their prey they often eat the organs first because they're the most nutritious mm. like muscle meat it doesn't muscle it doesn't, it's good it's fine but it doesn't give you the you know, vitamin a vitamin c like the liver the heart the kidneys the lungs these all have they're more nutritious. So a lot of times the uh, predator will go straight for the guts. And I didn't see this on the human. And I was like, well, what's up? Mm-hmm. And the answer, uh, the answer, interestingly enough, was that people wear clothes. And either the animals, like, they don't like the feel of that or uh, they don't realize there's meat there. So they tend to go for exposed flesh. And uh, uh, people's torsos are often covered. Anyway, like this or that kind of thing where something I've learned in my um, the various grisly explorations of past books. So, sometimes stuff comes into play. I don't really remember much from Steph Brock. Perhaps something about the composition came really? up. Really? I would, ima- I would imagine that that would haunt your dreams, some of the stuff that you talked about or researched in Steph. Steph. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think in some ways that those mannequins were I have to say it's a toss-up between the decomposing bodies at the body farm in Tennessee versus uh-huh. some of those um, mannequins on whom they very realistically really? recreated some of the uh, injuries uh, on victims of okay. their attacks. Yes. So okay. And, so yeah. I I wanna I wanna know more about that now because I thought that was that was like really interesting, right? Like uh, you know it, it kind of like you were able or uh, they they teach you about like the difference between like oh here's a bear attack, here's a cougar attack, and all that. But yeah, like you described it very well. But like how 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 realistic? Like how like how much effort do they go into making these uh, mannequins? look real like i'm as really curious as, about that as uh well as far as i could tell they were like taking a hacksaw to that i mean they were <laughs> they were um they not even to the extent where some of the mannequins came with extras in the form of stomach contents in other words here's an eye that was found in the stomach of the whatever animal yeah. <laughs> it was or here's a piece of scalp and, and they recreated they you know they they were realistic because they're they're made from i mean they're a synthetic material mm-hmm. but it seemed like those guys who had done it who were some of the uh british columbia conservation officers seemed like they had an artistic flair and they definitely knew what they were what their goal was because they're working off photographs of actual bodies mm. yeah. uh so um yeah they were they were and what was funny was this the whole conference was held in a casino outside Reno 
So it was this combination of, you know, here's a casino. We were right next door to a bingo game going on <laughs> in the next, the next room. And uh, so it, uh, it was, a, it was kind of surreal to, to see these things in that setting. Yeah. I, I, I wonder, I don't know if you discovered this uh, while you were there, but I'm wondering, like, because, you know, there's a lot of people, maybe it's because my girlfriend likes watching some of those, like, makeup shows where they do, like, you know, she yeah. loves horror movies and all that. I wonder if that, like, uh, maybe there's a listener out there who wants to, you know, do horror makeup. Like, is this, you think this would be a backup plan? Like, you could go work for Wart and make these <laughs> mannequins? Like, do you think that's similar? Or, do, or did they go in some <laughs> other profession? Um, and well, I, I think they were. Uh, as realistic as some of the zombie shit you see. Really? Or it's slowing. I They were really well-crafted. Almost, I would say, lovingly crafted. They were really um, um, pretty, yeah, pretty realistic. But but they were done, I think they were either all done by uh, the the folks who worked at these agencies. So they, I think they just found a couple people who had a kind of a closet flair for the artistic. And yeah. uh, so they weren't hiring. They weren't hiring outsider so um i don't know that uh, that gig would <laughs> although i'm sure somebody in that industry could do a good job these guys did a pretty good job you know it was it's uh uh pretty straightforward it, it rearranged ripped up tissue and blood you know there's not mm-hmm. a lot of you know and mostly that sometimes you know eyeball hanging yeah by thread <laughs> Did did you are, are there like pictures for like bonus material for fuzz that you took or or you you're not allowed to have no. like photos inside? Well, you know, I did take some photographs, but no, but I'm I'm not publishing those photographs for the, per- uh, for the personal. I'm leaving stash. it to people. I you know, but there's enough description in the book, I think. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, I don't like to terrorize people about bears because bear attacks are so very rare. Mm. You know, this country's between zero and three fatalities a year versus say snakes 15 or so fatalities a year dogs at least a dozen fatalities a year so uh i don't want to demonize or terrorize bears and and for the most part bears are the attacks are either defensive as in you startle the animal and it's mm-hmm. just charging at you and if you have a sometimes someone with a dog and the dog gets excited and the, the bear and the dog kind of going at it and then the person tries to intervene and then they get attacked mm. But they're not, you know, bears, bears are omnivores. They're not, they're not, they don't prey on, on humans. Yeah. They eat nuts and berries and apples and grass and insects and fish. They don't, they're, we're not on the menu. So, yeah. so yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I think I've done enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've taken it far enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I really just don't want people to. To, to take away, to, to have this terror because, the, the, I mean, to me, it, the experience, I've seen a bear twice in the wild mm. and it's a, uh, you know, it's an incredibly thrilling and exciting experience. I didn't get charged by a bear. It didn't take me as a threat. It was just, you know, we were at a campsite and up in the boundary waters up near Canada and then mm. we were all, it was my husband and I and my stepdaughter and her boyfriend and we were standing around the campsite and we just look up and this bear is coming down the trail to our campsite. And we, the initial reaction was, oh, baby bear. <laughs> and then the bear's coming closer. We're like, I guess we should scare it off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, they're, I love bears. You know, I, I, I'm there. They're very, for the most part, um, 
when they're destroyed, it's because somebody has, has not been careful with leaving foods out yeah. to attract them. And then, you know, then the bears don't really realize, oh, humans equals food. And they come around more and they get more fearless and they get a little aggressive. And then they're in your kitchen. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that's a pretty disconcerting thing. And they, they, they call the authorities and the bear that's breaking into kitchens is going to get destroyed. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, like bears, are, bears are some of my favorite. I love pandas. Some, I follow a lot of Instagram accounts of just pandas being goofy as hell. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, like that, like uh, discussing that, especially like with bears, it, it, it brings up a question that I've always had. And I'm, I'm guessing you might be able to have the answer. And it's about putting down animals who have attacked people, right? So, uh, and I don't even know all the laws around and stuff like that, but it, it starts with like dogs, right? Like I am flabbergasted when I hear like, oh, a dog bit somebody and they're like, oh, got to kill it. And I'm just like, wow, the I, for me, it seems like the bar is very, very low, right? Like, but then when we talk about these animals in the wild and stuff like that, and, you know, getting into, you know, houses or attacking people and all that, like, I, I'm trying, I, I, like, there's always a reason, right? And, and I hope there's better reasons, but like, is, is it just like, hey, we got to put this down because just because it did it once, we can't have it do it again. And human lives are more valuable. Like, I'm just trying to understand like the thought process, but behind all that you know what i mean yeah well of course i mean with a dog a dog is a proper a dog is someone's property and that person is responsible uh i think a dog that attacks someone and that's a serious mauling yeah um, that's going to be different from a dog bite i've been bit by dogs a few times they were destroyed north should they be yeah um the thing with bears um when a bear when a when a bear injures a person or kills a person it's considered a threat to public safety i mean this is a, usually the you know what often what's happening is it's a bear that's habituated to humans and and is used to getting food from them and that's what it's teaching its cubs and that's what they're and it tends to be repeat offenses so um in that scenario you're if you let it go you're courting a situation where it started out with a bear in the kitchen and somebody's freaked out. But the next time someone could have a dog, someone could, the other could be an altercation and then the person's dead. And that, uh, if you were the wildlife agency that is responsible, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, you know, wildlife agencies with wild animals, there's no owner. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a government agency that is responsible for natural resources. And one of those is wildlife. And so, um, their main concern is public safety. So, it, mm -hmm. uh, and if they if they just were to say, well, let's just monitor this and see how it goes, and that has happened. They've either monitored a bear that was, um, you know, a borderline case, or they've tr translocated it to another area. And then if that bear uh, ends up mauling somebody there, they're they're liable hmm. because it's a similar, it's a parallel to you know the the dog owner and the dog. Um, if an agency mm. makes a decision on what to do, and then later that animal mauls or kills someone, that's a huge lawsuit. So we're talking about liability sometimes being yeah. part of the decision. And that is the, you know, liability is behind a lot of difficult decisions these days. And yeah. that's, that is part of it. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Like, I, I guess that makes sense. And uh, yeah, and you're, you're a science writer and, you know, I'm always looking at like data and statistics and stuff. Like, was there an instance like before, like in the old days of like uh, wildlife ranger, like policies where, where they didn't do this and it did like generations of bears or cougars or whatever were breaking into houses and they realized like, hey, we got to cut off this family line because they're training their cubs. Like, I, I guess my, my question is like, do they have evidence that this passes down through generations, do you know? Yeah, the, the, the bears, the cub, you know, cubs are taught where, where the food is. Mm. So if you have a, you have a bear that keeps on doing this, it's cubs, unfortunately, going to keep doing that. And then those, that comes cubs. In the past, actually, before we, you know, up through the first half of the last century, basically, there was, there were bounties on wild animals, wolves and bears and cougars, because mm. they were perceived as a threat to ranchers' livestock, and we wiped them out. Yeah. We just fucking went in and slaughtered them. So yeah. we're doing a lot better now. Exactly. These are much better times for yeah. bears and cougars. And Although there's, you know, that it's now because these populations have recovered now that we're not dropping poisoned meat from the air and shooting into dens and putting bounties on these creatures, which mm. we did from the 1800s through to the middle 1900s. Um, uh, they've recovered a lot. The populations have recovered a lot. And so now we're heading back into the zone of people are starting to get annoyed. Uh, with yeah. them because there are so many yeah. of them now that you know the, the the more there are of them and the more we had into we set up homes in land that was previously just theirs uh mm -hmm. the more conflicts that you'll see uh but anyway yeah like yeah they, i mean that is that is how it works the, yeah. an animal learns from its parrot how to hunt and where to find mm -hmm. food and so uh you can mitigate the damage by, you know, figuring out which individual bear it is rather than just going through and saying, let's just hunt the crap out of them because it's too many conflicts. That doesn't yeah. help. You've got to identify it's a handful of animals. In Yosemite, they had, there was a paper where they had 1,100 break-ins into um, cars in parking lots of campers. It was a handful of bears. Really? Not like all the bears there. So if you went in and like, said we need to kill all the bears because they're all breaking into cars no they're not yeah, it's it's a few. it's an it's a handful and the cubs those cubs will keep doing it so yes there's evidence yeah huh so one of the one of the interesting parts i found about the book like i i live in las vegas i'm in the middle of the desert uh when the pandemic first started we had like some like i think like wolves and coyotes i kind of come down from the mountains because like you know everything was kind of like chill and different but anyways one of the interesting parts about the book and i i think it's really helpful for all the readers is you know like some of these uh some of the you know the people that you write about they they get frustrated with the community right because people in the community they should be doing some things to not you know make animals want to come in and get it so can you can you discuss a little bit of that or or if i if maybe there's a listener who's like in one of these areas like what are what are some of the things that you saw that could be helpful so we don't have to hunt as many you know what are some things that that we could do and be be kind of mindful of well anytime you have a an animal coming into an area but uh, it's it's looking for food and it's probably found food so mm -hmm. the more that people can keep that kind of they call them attractants if you cannot have those just have an awareness uh, even you know it's like leaving 
a bag of pet food out on a deck or uh, having a, not cleaning the grill on a barbecue. It's got mm. meat, you know, it, it's very fragrant. Uh, leaving garbage unsecured. I mean, in a, a bear can very, it's pretty easy to uh, pop open a garbage bin that's not bear resistant. I mean, they, they, some of the ones that are bear resistant, they can get into. Um, but if you take away the, the food and, and or and or the, the shelter for them, you know, like some some animals are looking for a place to make a nest. Uh, so, you know, and the, uh, for every, there are websites like Humane Society of the United States and PETA both have web pages about how to deal with urban wildlife and uh, species by species. And it's really good advice. And it and it's mm. um, all of it humane and, and geared toward preventing uh, the encouragement of these animals to come into communities. Um, uh, there's a lot of people, more people now having backyard chickens and that's, um, uh, now people get upset with that is coyotes and foxes mm. and, and raptors. I mean, there's a lot of animals that would love some chicken. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So, so, um, you know, you can, there's things you can do netting to prevent raptors coming in and building a better nighttime enclosure. So there's things, there are things to try, but um, almost always it's because you're offering some enticing thing. With, and, and people, you know, some people just haven't thought about it. They're not, and then they, you know, they see the, the damage and then they realize what's going on. So if you could be aware of that and think about it beforehand and try to prevent it from happening, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I used to live in uh, Southern California and Santa Barbara used to go camping and stuff like that, but that was about the extent. I think like there was a bear up in a tree one time, or maybe that's a false memory from when I was a kid, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I've been curious about that because it, it's just, you know, one of those things where since, you know, we're constantly building new cities and expanding, like Las Vegas is like three times the size of when I moved here when I was a kid, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, you know, how do we coexist with, you know, these animals and everything like that? Um, but, but one animal we don't have to worry about too much here in the States are uh, these macaque monkeys. And by the way, when I came across just the phrase macaque attack, I found it hilarious for some reason. It just, it sounds really funny, but can you talk about some of the, some of the issues that people are dealing with, with macaques and why, why that monkey? What, what are they doing? Oh, sure. Because uh, the macaque is an urban monkey um, and it's uh, um, pretty smart and pretty fearless. You see them all over Delhi, you see them all over they're all over Jaipur and Agra, where the tourists come, and um, they've gotten pretty, uh, pretty cocky. Like they uh-huh. will grab something out of your hand, and, and the, the things that they grab, you know, the things that monkeys don't use, like sunglasses and cell phones. <laughs> what they do is they kind of they ransom that object. Like they'll take it, and anybody in India knows you want to get your cell phone back. You hand it. And you hand out a treat, a banana or a cookie or whatever. Oh, wow. And the monkey will drop the phone and take the treat that you're offering. So I think pretty wily and they're pretty, uh, uh, pretty, they can be pretty aggressive in the travel in groups. And they, uh, there have been cases where people have, you know, they've jumped down onto a balcony to get access to the house. And they, somebody sees them and startled, either tries to keep them out or loses their balance. There's a number of people have fallen their deaths uh, from, yeah. from balconies because of macaques. One macaque grabbed a baby from a mother's breast, made off with it. I mean, they're uh, so at, then the media 
when anytime that happens, it's a huge deal in media. So um, you get a lot of macaque friends and macaque um, um, media stuff. And they, uh, the problem, one problem is that, uh, you know, because you got Hanuman, and then, you know, and they, in Hinduism, the monkey is, is a, it's a deity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so there's a stigma when it comes to doing anything to a monkey. Like you, you, you will find somebody to take a job that involves being, you know, catching them, which they, you know, they try to do, they try to take them off to the sanctuary in the southern part of Delhi. And, um, it's very hard for the, for the city government to hire uh, monkey catchers because of that. People, so people are both really irritated by them, but they're also, uh, they're also giving them sort of offerings like treats in the same yeah. way they would bring in an offering to the Hanuman temple. So anytime you go to the monkey temple, the Hanuman temple, there are bound to be lots of monkeys outside waiting for handouts. So you can't have it both ways. You can't be feeding these animals and <laughs> wanting them gone. Yeah. Uh, and not just gone, but gone in a way that doesn't harm them or touch them. So yeah. the people whose job it is to deal with this find it very vexing. Yeah, and so I'm curious with the conversation we were we were discussing like uh, a minute ago with like bears and stuff like that, and them teaching their their children. Is it? Do you think that's what happened with the macaques? Like because they're just you know in these urban areas, like are they just teaching like like in their monkey macaque language? Like, hey, go steal something, and they'll probably give you some food. Like, do you think that's just a learned behavior now? For sure, sure, sure. I mean, they're traveling in a family group. And so, you know, the adults are doing it. The kids learn, the babies learn to do it too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. for, for a lot of these, like this one, like you, did you, you actually traveled there, right? And yes. yeah. So did you, did you have any personal experiences with macaque attacks? I was mugged and I'll let people read that story in the book. I was <laughs> mugged. I was mugged by a gang of macaques. Actually it was a team. They were working together. Yeah. yeah, they were pretty young. They're pretty slick. <laughs> yeah, I, I was imagining some of these scenes as I as I was as I was reading it. Um, but yeah, so as you mentioned, the book kind of covers uh, plants too, and uh, and beans and poisonous beans and all of that. Um, one of the things that that you talk about is uh. Uh, what is it? Uh, what's that one? Is it ricin? Ricin, I believe it is. I do talk about that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, um, with that, like there's like, uh, because of the popularization, like the only reason I know of ricin is from Breaking Bad, right? Do you think that there's like, kind of like, uh, a lot of misconceptions from some of these things about, you know, like poisonous plants and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ricin is the go-to poison for kind of crackpots who want to assassinate somebody yeah. you know they're working on some i'm work i've got some i've got some castor beans and i'm gonna i'm gonna cook you know cook up some rice and um the truth about plants is that um so many of them are uh lethal in that uh they're in the category of, if you look at the you know there's a uh somebody sent me a list of common garden plants that are in the category of major toxicity, like like lethal, and there's nine of them in my yard, like front front yard or backyard. Well, I don't I don't have in the city. I don't. I'm not much of a plant grower, but I've got you know lantana, rhododendron, pinisphorum, hellebore, 
uh, Jasmine, if that, that like, uh, if you know, if you know how to extract it and process it, which Walter White uh, did with, I think, Lily of the Valley in Breaking Bad, wasn't it Lily of the Valley? Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> anyway, you have to know how to, you have to know how to do it. And that is true of racing as well. And, and you can't just smash up some castor beans mm. or as one person tried castor oil, which, um, the oil contains no rice. So yeah. you're just basically giving somebody diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, with, with, with the plants, what are some of the other things like when, because when people hear about it and, uh, like hear about the book, like I, I was like curious, like, Oh, okay. Okay. I can see how, okay. Maybe we talk about animals and stuff, but what are some of the things that we discuss around more around the plant conversation aside from like people like trying to poison others and stuff like that like are there are there divisions that you had to uh you know research and stuff to see how plants are getting involved in communities and committing their little their little crimes well, i have a well i have a, a chapter on danger trees which um i spent some time with a danger tree assessor and a danger tree faller blaster with da- <laughs> and a uh a danger tree there are places um well danger trees is the tree that is uh old or diseased and likely to topple sometime in the not too distant future. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's something that uh, if, if you own the property, you better keep on top of it because that's a big loss if you yeah. let that tree go. So, uh, and, and the things that are, have to be done are kind of interesting because they're, they're not, um, they're not cutting down the tree. They're, um, in these places, and there's places where the, the, the trees themselves are the attraction. Like this McMillan Grove, these are 500-year-old trees. They're huge. They're majestic. So you don't cut them down. You just blow the top off. You have a guy who goes up with dynamite, drills it in, uh, you know, the, goes up two-thirds of the height. I mean, hundreds of feet up and sticks it in there. And then, you know, you go back, you know, hundreds of yards away and detonate it. And they blow off the top of the tree. And that way... Uh, it, yeah, it's more stable. It doesn't weigh as much. It's not blowing around in the breeze. And um, that way, it's still standing so the mm. tourists will go, look at that beautiful old <laughs> tree. They can't, they, if you lean way, way back and you have binoculars, you could see that the top's been blown off. Anyway, that's what a danger tree follower blaster does. And I hung out with them yeah. for a day when they were doing some work in Millen Grove. So there's a danger tree. There's like death by tree chapter. Yeah, so... So with, with all the research and you, and you do so much research for all of your books, like for this one specifically, what, what did you find like the most like interesting or, or fun? Like, was it like more the animal stuff or the plant stuff or what, what, what was it? What sticks out in your mind as you were looking into this stuff? Uh, you know, they, they, I, I try to only do things that are going to be fun to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say uh, my trip to Vatican City was pretty entertaining because I've um, always been curious about the Vatican. So any opportunity mm. to spend time there. And um, it was kind of a ludicrous scenario. It was, you know, the Pope's Easter Mass and a bunch of gulls who were swooping down and, you know, uh, wreaking havoc on this massive floral display, which took an entire day to set up. And so it was an effort to uh, oil the gull attacks. And yeah. to figure out why they were doing that, so I'd say that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and and yes, and and with like gull attacks, like you 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 give some tips 
like in the in the book uh and i was like oh okay well if i ever encounter you know certain animals i i know what to do and what not to do i feel like i have to make a cheat sheet though because i don't know if i could remember it all but do you like from learning all this like do you feel a little bit more like comfortable like do you think like you'd be good if a, a cougar came because you're in california right like a cougar if it like came oh out yeah of- i i consider myself extremely lucky to see a cougar uh no one's the, the, even people whose jobs were to track and hunt them back when we would, had a, they had a bounty on them uh without dogs to hunt them down by scent it's it, that hunter who killed hundreds of cougars he never stumbled onto one in the wild it's mm. so rare i would love to see a cougar i would yeah. absolutely love to see a cougar yeah maybe not like right up close uh in a way that's you know it's it's very it's so uncommon that that a cougar will choose to attack someone i mean obviously if that were the scenario if i had won the reverse lottery and was being about to be attacked that wouldn't be a a sight that i would enjoy but otherwise i'd love to see a cougar absolutely love to yeah and and do you think like if if the cougar got spooked or something you'd be able to handle it from everything that you've learned and, and all no, that I'd be of... fucking dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What it's... am I going to do if the cougar, you know, the cougar is a very effective killer. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you can try certainly and, and maybe, you know, before it gets to you, you, it, you, you might cause it to have a change of heart if you're big enough and loud enough and you, uh, seem to pose enough of a threat i I hardly doubt that there's a 125 year old 125 125 year old 125 pound 125 pound 60 something year old woman that i would pose much of a threat to a cougar so yeah yeah and yeah because i i feel just you know when when just adrenaline gets going or even just you know stress hormones and stuff like that like there was somewhere it was like with this animal you freeze and this one you intimidate and this one like like you you have some kind of yeah like you should never they say never do this like do with any of these uh uh, these wildlife people you met like did any of them have to do this and have like successful stories of yeah Mm -hmm. there's one in the book yeah there's one in the book of a guy and answered a call at a house but uh up in i think he he was in uh probably british columbia and this uh, couple called about a cougar that was facing it, stalking them from there inside the house. And the cougar was outside. And he's like, yeah, right. You know, kind of <laughs> like, yeah, this guy knows cougars. It's like highly unlikely. So he shows up. He gets out of his truck. He doesn't even have his rifle. You know, and he's just like knocking on the door. And there's the cougar. Mm. Uh, yeah. So uh, that that story is in the book. Yeah. So, yeah, there are there definitely... Uh, are some situations like that that yeah that that gives that gives me a little hope and it, yeah maybe it's just my anxiety because i'm like again i live in las vegas i don't think i'm going to encounter any but i want to know i like to be prepared no you're very safe you're very safe <laughs> yeah really the coyotes are not going to bother with you yeah and they're, neither they're, are the raccoons or what i don't know what else do you have in, no, uh, what i've noticed is that there's a golf course like on the other side of like uh-huh. the complex, I've noticed some uh, some little jackrabbits on my morning walk. But I'm a pretty tough oh my guy, God. so they don't Jack scare rabbit, me too They much. will go right for your throat. They will <laughs> kill you. People don't know this. They're they're lethal. They're lethal. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And I, I I've been meaning to read that that book from uh, 
I for, I forgot her name, but like, will your cat eat your eyeballs after you die? Oh, Caitlin Doty. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I think the yeah. answer is yes. If you if you're there long enough and the cat's locked in the apartment, I'm thinking yeah. I think it yeah. does. I think she. I, I have that. I had a, I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I, I think um, it bumps me yeah. out because I, I I feel like my cats love me so much, but you know, after a while, yeah. just, you know, I just be yeah. Well, begin hungry enough. They're going for your eyes. Yeah. The um. It wasn't there a Monty Python sketch where there, there's a rabbit like jumping at the person. That's what I was picturing when I said yeah, it. I, I think the so. rabbit's like jumping at the person's neck. Anyway, we'll, that's we'll, have, to, we'll have to look that mm-hmm. up. It's um, fictional. Listen, it's fictional. <laughs> it won't actually do that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I only have a couple more questions for you, Mary. And I, I'm wondering, like, like you, you learn so much when you research these. And I'm, I'm curious, like, after writing this or researching it, like, did, did it like change like your relationship to like, and like, I'm sure you're like a, a pretty kind person to animals, but did it change like kind of your perspective on like animals and nature and all that? Because yeah, like there's, there's well, a ton it, it, in it. Specifically, um, I felt, ended up feeling kind of bad for rodents and birds, which pose a threat to agriculture or industry. Because they're um, they're they're because they're considered bat pests or nuisance species. I think that word and that term gives people mm. um, uh, gives people the sense that they don't even need to think twice before hiring an exterminator or setting a glue trap or whatever it is. Or, or mm. you know, there's these underground exploding things to make the tunnels collapse if it's underground rodents like moles. Um, and, and it just it just gives us permission to kill without thinking and so i try to encourage people and and myself you know i i had an experience where one afternoon a, a roof rat ran across the deck and you know i'm like i don't know what it's a rat and then you yeah. know the word rat is so loaded it's so weighted down mm. with, you know the course of history and some of the you know diseases that have come about because of um living conditions that have caused infestations of rats and and you know, I immediately thought, oh, let's get a trap. You snap trap, right? Yeah. And, you know, and then humans like, and I thought, well, it's not, it's not harming my property or my life. You know, it's, it's basically no different than the squirrels that are up in those trees every day, mm-hmm. except it, it has a bald tail. You know, they look the same. So, uh, and even if it were getting in, there's ways to, you know, you figure out how is that animal getting in? How can I block that? You know, keep it out. There's mm-hmm. ways to, you know, you put the, steel wool you can stuff in holes you can you can prevent things from happening and but but just it was interesting to me my reaction was just instantly rat kill you know yeah uh and it's it's like you know it's, it's a roof rat we're not talking about an infestation of sewer rats or something it was a it's a little woodland creature yeah and they're around because people have root trees and they have vegetable gardens and there's plenty of stuff for them to eat and they're seasonal they're they're come around when there's things to eat and they go away the same with flocks of birds that go around and eat the berries and shit on our car you know my <laughs> husband hates them but we're, we're not gonna poison them yeah um but anyway they they people are quick to kill the small animals you know they have a lot of emotional attachment to large beautiful wildlife like beavers mm. and bears and that's great but the smaller animals i think uh, we tend to count them less in a way 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Uh, that, that like my perspective changed when, uh, I went vegetarian a few weeks, a uh, few years ago, not a few weeks ago. But anyways, it was, it was primarily health reasons. And something I'd notice is anytime I mention very vegetarian, I think people are going to think I'm some crazy, like stop eating meat, but I'm not, it was purely health reasons, but it did change like my relationship. Like just when I, I look around, kind of like you mentioned, like, you know, with these bigger animals and stuff, and then the way we see animals differently right mm-hmm. and and I, I've always just found that like really really interesting because I'm, I'm interested in like you know moral philosophy and ethics and all that I'm like no oh. I, re- I respect that you don't eat animals um I would like to be that person too like my, my you know my husband is the cook he's a wonderful cook he likes to eat meat I have to admit I do love pork yeah um I try not to eat beef Uh, And for all the reasons that everybody talks about, you know, in terms of the environment and the amount of rainforest that's destroyed to um, Mm. raise cattle for various reasons, but also just because it's not very nice to, I don't know, to be killing. I mean, we got to eat, but we can eat other things. So I admire you. I'd like to be that person. I haven't haven't achieved it yet. I'm eating less and I feel more guilt about what (laughs) what I do eat. But I'm sorry to say, I'm still eating a fair well, amount of pork. <laughs> yeah. If it if it makes you feel better, my my son is a meat eater. He uh, he does eat some of like we eat a lot of like meat substitutes because my girlfriend and I we're very picky eaters. Like we're not like like people here like sometimes people here vegetarian like oh all you eat is vegetables. No, like our freezer is full with like you know like they're getting good with this technology around creating. Yeah, like, which one? Which one do you? Which impossible beyond? What do you recommend? all of them so uh <laughs> so, are they pretty good are they yeah pretty good? so there's yeah impossible beyond we also have guard uh Gardein. there's something uh this new one we've been trying incognito but uh i'll tell you what though mary uh if you do come to vegas there, i was just talking with somebody about this there's a place there's a place here in town called chef kenny's right Asian cuisine. It's not even vegetarian. It's vegan. Mm-hmm. And I swear to you, I have never met somebody who didn't like it. Right. And I'm talking like, oh, orange, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Like orange chicken, beef, yeah, all yeah. sorts of pork. Right. And, and it's crazy. Like, I don't know what they do. It's one of those places where like, I go there and I'm like, are you guys tricking me? Are you, are you tricking yeah. me and giving me actual meat? So, um, but yeah. Very if, cool. Very cool. Yeah. The place where I record, recorded the audiobook for Flowers is right next to a vegan bakery called Mariposa. And I remember thinking, yeah, it's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I, I don't, because I'm not vegan. I haven't had a lot of vegan pastries and, and muffins and things. And I went in and I got a, like a Spanish cup, but I think it was like a feta cheese mm. thing. It was so good. I mean, they, they were really, really good and not just good for vegan, but just good. And so I think the more of a, the more of a demand there is for vegan food, the more uh, the bar's going to go up. And, and yeah. you know, humans are really creative and they're, they'll figure out a way to do it without animal products and they'll do it well, more, better and better. And yeah. so, yeah, more and more people hopefully will come aboard, maybe even me. Yeah, no, I, I applaud you for, you know, even like, you know, some sometimes like my son, he's, uh, you know, with his mom during the week and over here. And, and you know, sometimes I get him meat, but I think about it kind of like, you know, the conversations where they're like, hey, even if you ride your bike one day to work or whatever, like, so like, you know, if if people just did a meatless Monday, like the yeah. the amount, you know, like. It's, sure. it's, it's all good. But I, I do think like the biggest fear is, uh, cause I was like this, cause like I, I grew up just, my favorite place was like barbecue places. Right. 
Uh-huh. I'm like, uh. so, you know, uh-huh. so I was like, I can never, my girlfriend was like, come on, try it. And then my best friend, she was being sick. I'm like, I'll try it for a month. And I ended up losing 20 pounds the first month. So that was the real seller. But uh, I found these ones. I'm like, this is delicious. Um, yeah, but now that it's getting to be so good, it's not going to be so easy to lose that weight. You yeah. thought it was the weight because there wasn't even anything you wanted to eat back when we, well, I don't know. That's, no, maybe no, that's it's, true now. No, it's, yeah. de- it's, it's definitely true. That's why I go on my little morning walks with the jackrabbits and everything to, to, <laughs> to balance it out. Uh, but but before, before I let you go, for everybody that's going to go grab a copy of this book, I want, I want people to know while they're reading it, like what, as you're writing this, as you release it and, and what you've learned and, you know, your relationship with nature and animals, how you've kind of like changed, like, what do you, do, do you have any hopes for the reader? Like, do you hope to get anything out there? Like that you hope, makes at least like almost like a meatless Monday, like a little tiny bit of a difference through, through your writing. What do you hope? Uh, mostly I just want people to be, be uh, entertained and to learn a little bit and to uh, like the book enough to go out and say, read this book. It's really funny. It's fun. Read it. That's, that's my, that's what I'm doing. Um, on top of that though, uh, sure. I'd love, like we said, like I said before, just, uh, uh, just think before you act, particularly with some of these smaller animals that are all over our our urban and suburban and and even rural well especially rural uh homes i mean we share this land with animals they're all out there more i mean you see more at night than during the day but they're they're there and uh let's find a way to coexist yeah absolutely and that that's one of the reasons i love your writing because I, I I start thinking about things I never even thought of before. So it's like just even being mindful of them, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So so if anything, you've you've helped change me for the better, Mary. Um, but yeah, this oh, that's nice. <laughs> so let's try to improve people. <laughs> when when's when's the book come out? When can people get it? And where where can they get it? Like, is it going to be audio format, physical? ebook uh yeah yeah there'll be the uh september 14th is the hardback comes out and the ebook and i don't know the exact date of the uh, audiobook although i did record this one when it's done but i don't know where they're at with production i would imagine uh, sometime in september it's the brilliance audio does the audiobook Mm. and uh the uh the ww norton is the uh the hardback and ebook publisher and they uh so every where the books are sold. It depends stores, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bookshop. Dot, what is it? There's uh, bookshop.org, I think yeah. it is, which is a, uh, it, it aims you to buy, to have delivered a book from your local independent seller. Um, yeah, which, I, just, you know, I, just I think it got rolling during, during COVID as a way for people to, to um, purchase things without going into a store. And you know, of course, the alternative would be something like Amazon. So to, it's a way uh, we were supporting the pen store. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll, I'll link that down below. I, uh, I just learned about bookshop.org and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is pretty neat. Um, but, but yeah, where, where is the best place for people to find you and people like me who need to go through your back catalog of books and learn about all this other stuff. And, uh, and yeah, just so we can keep an eye sure. out while you take a break in between books, but I'm sure you'll be writing again. Where's the best place to locate you? Sure, yeah. Uh, MaryRoach.net is my website, which has uh, excerpts and descriptions of all the books, et cetera. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Mary underscore Roach. Beautiful. Awesome, Mary. Well, it was it was a pleasure. 
as usual. And, and yeah, I, I think you, you nailed it. It's the book is funny, fun, educational. I was hooked. So, so yeah, I think it'll, well, I think thanks, it'll be great. Chris. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on again. So it was fun. Absolutely. Well, we, we might do this again sometime. I'll talk to you later. All right. That's great. Thanks a lot. See you later. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mary about her brand new book, Fuzz. And trust me, I don't want to spoil anything from the book because it is just, it's amazing. It's interesting. And I loved it. So make sure you head down to the description, follow Mary over on Twitter, grab a copy of Fuzz. And like I said, I did another episode with Mary on her book, Stiff. And yeah, this episode is being posted on October 1st. So it's officially spooky season. All right. So yeah, treat yourself to stiff as well and check that book out. All right. But yeah, I will link both those books down below. Mary has a ton of books. So if you want to dive into the, the rabbit hole of all the amazing books, Mary's written, I still have to get caught up on some of her other books. But yeah, like I said, Mary is just, she is not only like a best-selling author, but she's a really, really cool person. I'm super glad that she took the time to come on here and chat because she's always on these like much larger podcasts and stuff. So it's great having the, uh, having her on the podcast to sit down and chat with her. All right. So check out her book and make sure you're also following me over on Instagram and Twitter at the rewired soul. And if you're new here, make sure you are following and subscribe to the podcast and some things that you can do that really, really help out the podcast, share this episode, uh, or any other episode that you find interesting on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. It really helps. And if you have two seconds, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. All right. But some other ways to support the podcast uh, over at the rewiredsoul.com. It's linked down below. You can grab some of the books that I have written on mental health, addiction recovery, and all that. And by the way, if you go to the rewiredsoul.com and you sign up for my newsletter, you get a free copy of my book, Rewire Your Anxiety. All right. So for somebody like myself who struggles with anxiety, you get that book for free. All right. But yeah, other than that, there are some other links down below for, you know, you becoming a patron if you want to help support that way, or you can sign up for BetterHelp Online Therapy with my affiliate link down below. Therapy through BetterHelp helped me a ton during a very difficult time, so I vouch for them. So it's affordable, it's online, it's with a licensed therapist. Feel free to check that out, all right? But another huge, huge thanks to Mary for coming on the chat about Fuzz. Grab a copy, it's linked down below. And for all of you, thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day. I don't think I'll be posting an episode tomorrow, but... I have a special bonus episode for you coming on Sunday. So stay tuned. I'll see you in the next one.